The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Being around sports media and a fan of, oh, my NC State Wolfpack for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run to the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former sports center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will probably open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall. Legacies will change forever. New goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Everybody, welcome to the Pixix Podcast, CBS Sports NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson here with Brady Quinn and Legend Doosable. It's a Tuesdays with Brady. Pew, pew, pew. Um, man, we've really uh, changed the background. You guys are usually in a studio, but they're doing construction, mm-hmm. and I'm usually uh, in front of a bookshelf with a bunch of crap in front of it on it. And uh, instead, I'm I'm uh, got a bar behind me. I might start. Yeah, you had Bob's house, right? Bob Bob's, yeah, Bob's house, yeah. right? Uh, Bob and Ann Brinson. Shout out to Bob and Ann. Um, hello, Mom. I know you're watching. I'm sure you're watching live. Uh, maybe you could have turned on the AC a little earlier. It's kind of toasty in here, Mom. But uh, such as, <laughs> I mean, you know, they, such they, as they, it should be a comfortable temperature outside where you're at, right? It feels great outside. The uh, one of the f- aspects of this house that, that I love. There's like a cool sun porch out there. Oh, uh, wow. There's there's a bunch of big windows here, but the the way the sun rises. You know, I don't know if you know, the sunrise the same spot every day. Uh, it uh, it actually beats down into these windows and, and heats up the house very quickly. So, uh, I will be I will be pulling a, a countrified risky business shortly, uh, sliding through sliding on the hardwoods in my in my boxers and my slippers shortly. That sounds childish. It does sound mm. childish. Yeah, you gotta you gotta let one of those windows down, get some of that that fresh breeze inside the house. I could open up the door and get the screen porch. We got a little flowing going on here. There you go. Uh, maybe, the hair maybe, going in the wind too. Oh yeah, that's actually not a bad idea. I might do that. Um, okay, let's uh, get to some headlines. We're gonna talk. Some... Oh, before we go, Will, I owe you an apology. Oh, that never happens. I not, was not actually from you, in the neck for me. Of the woods, but I was so oh. locked in. I had the ECU Charlotte game 
Oh, I'm sorry you I, had to I call that crap because I had to fly into Raleigh, and I I didn't even think about it. I was like, I should have hit I should have hit Brinson up. Yeah, no, yeah. no, that's all good. Uh, Chris Hassel did the same thing when he flew because you know what happens is you're you're thinking I'm going to Greenville, and you don't really think about. It. By the way, that that game, my brother's an ECU fan. Tough, tough watch that ECU Charlotte game, huh? I was. It's a tough call. <laughs> yeah, it was like defensive battle. Like so, one of, you know, I'm a defensive minded guy, so it was great for me. But I bet most most fans, it was it was tough for them to sit and watch that game. Yeah, my brother and I have like a weird. Uh, so like, I'm an NC State fan, ECU fan. Fan bases hate each other, right? Like ECU fans and State fans don't like each other. They do. We have this weird sort of, uh, you know, it's like we'll taunt each other a little bit, but it's like it's the point. ECU is so bad, I don't even want to like bring it up you know i'm like oh hey, so uh down in uh, greenville for that charlotte game or he's like mm, mm. um but yeah all good next time uh that's what do you think about greenville dude had you been there before i guess you had right if you surely like ucf had played greenville ecu maybe maybe not i can't keep realignment straight anymore yeah so i've played there a few times i played there my sophomore year my senior year um actually one sophomore year lost senior year but we ended up winning the conference that year so they have a, a really good fan base, you know, even though they've been struggling this year, uh, it was homecoming. So a lot of fans were still out there. I had the opportunity to talk to a few alum, a few ex-player, former players, um, just about the history. I don't think, uh, Brady, maybe you know this or you don't because you're, you're a historian like myself. But ECU, especially in the 80s, man, they used to play some of the top teams in the nation. And, and compete yeah. with some of them. They had to have a magical season in the 83 season where they played like three top 10 teams. And finish the year in the top twenty. So uh, it was a Peach Bowl that year, some right? Some players, some guys that played in the eighties about that. I literally uh, they, played in a golf tournament. I played in a golf tournament where a guy before the season started, he's a huge ECU ECU fan. I think he might have played there back in the day during the area you're talking about, and he talked about how how good they were and all this stuff. He's like, I'm telling you right now. Take the points at ECU and bet that money line. It's like they're gonna shock the world and upset Michigan this season. And I was like, man, all right. I was like, I don't, I don't know if I'm gonna go on TV and say that, but I was like, I, I could see it. I could see a scenario like Harbaugh's out the first few weeks. You know, maybe they struggle a little bit. And he's like, yeah, man, I'm telling you, take that money line. He's like, ECU's gonna shock the world. He's like yelling this in the uh, in the clubhouse. And everyone's like, that guy's drunk. Somebody needs to cut him off. So that was the end of that. But. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if it worked out too well. <laughs> no, no, they got they got they got stomped. I think the Harbaugh being out thing was worse for them because Michigan's like, oh, that's cool. We're just going to flex on whoever we've got. Who is it? Some like Western Carolina week one. Uh, although I guess I guess Michigan shouldn't take uh, Carolina directional schools lightly after losing to Appalachian State. I mean, I will say this: ECU did cover. They only won thirty to three, so they did cover. He wasn't wrong. But the money line was a bit aggressive. Right? Money line, money line was aggressive. a touch aggressive. Yeah. Um, okay, let's get to some headlines. We'll talk some trade deadline. We will talk some Deshaun Watson as well because I have questions for Brady. And I'm going to lead Brady. I'm going to lead Brady into giving me a quote for a column I'm going to write about Deshaun Watson, and we'll see if I can do that magically through the power of of uh, of internet television here shortly. But first, Brock Purdy, Brady. Is uh, there's no chance of Cinderella? This isn't like a Cinderella story, right? The last two weeks, I know that like uh, the SI uh, fan nation or whatever that does uh, the 49ers, like the guy suggested if Brock Purdy didn't play well this week, he might get benched for Sam Darnold, which is a touch ridiculous, right? I mean, I don't see it. Um, look, 
couple bad games. One, I mean, by the way, you want to get up against the Browns, who are arguably one of the best defenses, if not the best, in the NFL. Okay, you lost Christian McCaffrey for portion of that game. Trent Williams, Debo, we know that. Um, this past week, I mean, I have more concerns. I came away from watching that that what was it Sunday night game. I came away Monday night. Monday night, excuse me. Uh, more looking at it, saying like. Dude, the 49ers give up like 400 yards on, on defense. Like, that was what was more surprising <laughs> yes. to me. Like, in the end, when you're up, if you're upset about the interceptions, like, what do you want Brock to do, right? I don't care what quarterback you're talking about. Like, at the end of the game, do you not want him trying to throw balls in the tight windows? He's got to throw the football to get his team back into it. So, um, the first one didn't look great. The last one was kind of out of desperation. You, you got to make that throw, unfortunately, when you're in that position. So, it, it is what it is. But – I think he's fine. Um, I think he will be fine. It's just, you know, look, he's played with a lot of dynamic pieces around him. Some that's been taken away. That Viking scheme's tough to go up against. Brian Flores gives you a lot of different looks. Um, you shouldn't lose faith. I think he'll be fine. He's still a young player in this league, too, growing into the quarterback that he's going to be. So I wasn't overly concerned with it, um, at least from the Brock Purdy standpoint of it. I just think we were bound to see him have an off day at some point. And you've probably seen that the past couple of weeks. I mean, he's been on fire ever since he started starting for the 49ers. And, and dudes, I saw, um, I saw, or I heard Joe Buck. So two two comments about this game interested me. One, Joe Buck said that Kyle Shanahan was like really like, like legitimately upset that this is a game Debo Samuel had to miss because against that Brian Flores defense, Debo's a guy who where you can kind of beat the blitz by getting the ball in the short yardage stuff and, and letting him take off. And then um, uh, Harrison Smith, Notre Dame guy, Brady, yep. was on the uh, was on the Pat McAfee show, and I, I heard him talking and um, and just basically saying that like it's taken them a few weeks, kind of to you know like like they feel like they're kind of getting Brian Flores's defense more now than they had been in in the early part of the season. That like a lot of the language, a lot of the concepts that they were doing uh, were, were not like I mean, Harrison Smith's been around the block, and like he was like right. some of this stuff was really foreign to me. It's stuff I wasn't used to doing. Like as a defender. Is that, you know, I think that probably flies under the radar. You switch schemes so, you know, you go from Ed Donatel to Brian Flores. Like, how difficult is that to pick up? And is that like a, is that, is that really, is, that's a real thing, right? Yeah, yeah. If you think about it, it's going to take a little time to get the, the nuances and terminology down when you're in the new defense, especially a guy like Brian Flores, who is, routinely likes to blitz, right? So he likes to give you different looks. He'll blitz and go man, blitz and go zone. So, like you said, even Harrison Phillip, uh, uh, Harrison uh, Smith, who's been around the block for a long time, right? He's had di you know different defensive coordinators. He said it took him a while to to get you know the terminology and get this defense down. So I think you're starting to see the last few weeks. We knew that this Vikings defense was the Achilles heel last year, right? They were awful in pass defense. But a guy that you know I want to circle Cam Bynum. I mean, he had a ridiculous game uh, against. The 49ers on Sunday night. I mean, those two interceptions to Brady's point, right? Brock Purdy, like you're happy when he throws one anticipation of those tight windows, but when somebody makes a play on the ball, you're upset with him. So, like, what is what is Brock Purdy supposed to do in those situations? I think Cam Bynum just made two really great plays. And then he also forced a fumble earlier in the game versus Christian McCaffrey to get that fumble recovery. So they had a great great game plan, right? They weren't gonna let Christian McCaffrey beat them running the ball. Now he did beat them on a screen for an explosive touchdown. Uh, but they were going to first Brock Purdy without Debo Samuel, without Trent Williams at left tackle to go down and have methodical drives and score at the end of those drives. But I'm like, Brady, we, we could talk about, you know, the Vikings game plan against the 49ers offense. I think the biggest surprise was how the Vikings 
when out their number one receiver, right, with Jordan Addison, who essentially has become their number two, out for at least most of the third quarter and fourth quarter, Kirk Cousins put up almost 400 yards throwing the ball against them. I don't think anybody saw that happening. So, I mean, Brady, your, your Vikings pick for the division, you, you turn back and look, I think they're only a game and a half behind, you know, the Detroit Lions now. So everybody's willing to say, that they, you know, this team should sell. They should sell everybody. Everybody should get traded. You know, Kirk Cousins, JJ, you know, Daniel Hunter, sell everybody. Now, if you look at it, especially in the NFC, with it being a down year, the Vikings, and if you look at the, I think uh, their next four games are, if I'm not mistaken, I, I believe they play the Chicago Bears. I believe they play the Denver Broncos. Um, they play They're the Atlanta the Falcons. Or do they already play, play the Panthers? Play Green Panthers. Bay and New Orleans. Now they, yeah, they got Atlanta again. I think they have, they have Atlanta coming up, right? And the point is they can get back into it. Um, you know, it, they haven't, you know, they haven't played many divisional games, so it's, it's going to be big in that respect. This week's going to be huge in that respect. Going to Green Bay. Um, I want to go back to the difficulty when you talk about Harrison Smith and learning a new defense, especially for a safety position, because they do ask him to do a lot of different things, right? Whether it's playing deep half, deep middle and coverage down in the box as, you know, more of a forced defender or even blitzing <clears throat> the game I got to call, you know, he ended up having game ceiling sacks as a blitzer, as a safety. So it's a large departure from what they were asked to do last year under, under Ed Donatel in the sense of, you know, how they're playing more of that shell coverage and not quite as aggressive with the way they were presenting some of those pressures. You know, one of the things that you look at that I love is kind of like diving deep in the X's and O's is how they go about doing it with those all up looks, right? That's what the offense calls it when you get a defense that's got the four down lineman, but then you got, you know, two guys in the A gap, a guy out on the edge, and you're trying to decipher like who's coming, who's not, because, we've got to figure out how we're using our five offensive linemen and a tight end and a running back in protection or either or of those guys, depending on who's in protection. And one of the things that they'll do based on that, and it takes a while to get comfortable with it, is you've got your quarterbacks playing off, but they've got eyes. They can feel the, the obviously the receiver, but they can also look through to the quarterback. And what they're doing is they're going to look to see which way the line slides because whichever way the line slides – if it's sliding away from them, they know they're going to get the free runner from that side. And that free run is going to force the football out faster to their side. Most offenses coach their quarterbacks to throw into pressure. So if you're a quarterback back there and you're looking at all these guys, you don't know which one's coming. <clears throat> if you've got a six-man protection, it looks like there might be seven coming. You're going to basically say, I'm putting the line this way. I've got these guys on these guys. And if there's a free defender, it's going to be that guy. And if that guy comes, I have my quick answer to that side of the field. That's typically how it's played. And, and what's hard is the way Brian Flores and the Vikings defense mixes up their looks, mixes up their pressures. It makes it hard to decipher because they're not just going to allow you to beat on it every single time you come out on third down or must pass situations. And so because of that, it's allowed them to be more opportunistic in the way they've gone about getting turnovers, getting pressure, and also confusing quarterbacks after the snap of the football and then try to jump different routes. So any, anytime you can slow up a quarterback's thought process after the snap of the football, that's what allows a defense to me to be most effective. Um, and it, conversely too, like just to, and I guess ironically, it was, uh, it was cousins had one where I think it was cousins, right? He shifted the, uh, he shifted the, <clears throat> the protection to the right. And then like they blitz from the left side. He's like, ha! And you could hear the screen. He's just like, and he just whips it out. I think it was CJ Hawkins there. And really when you've got those two guys in the A gap and Leger knows this, I mean, with both backers, really what they're going to do is they're going to see which way the center drops and sets. 
and whichever way he sets, Correct. the linebacker to that side is going to drop. Right, other the other, other guy's going to run through the A-gap, yeah. right? And that's one of the reasons why, mm-hmm. like, what you started to evolve in doing as um, an offensive line in your protection scheme was you'd say, like, I don't care who's in the A-gaps. Like, the, the offensive line is going to have one of those guys. The back has the other, right? We don't want our back being on an edge defender or a bigger guy than him. We want big on big. Correct. So as long as the quarterback's in shotgun, that running back has time to get up there and end up blocking uh, that linebacker, or really whichever one would end up coming through in that case. The offensive line kind of sets with a little more depth, and then they're able to slide to whichever side. You kind of jelly set, and hopefully they can pass off some of those different rushes. The problem is when you start incorporating games, twists, stunts, the way they slant, ETs, mm. ETs, that's what gets complicated because then you've got to get guys who are, have enough time to work together to pass all those games off. Fortunately, for example, with an offensive line like uh, the Vikings that had struggled earlier this year, they put Dalton Reisner at left guard, Ezra Cleveland out, and they don't give up a sack. They actually handled a lot of the stunts and games from San Francisco pretty darn well. I know we're talking about the other side of the ball here, but um, that's just an example of that. No, I mean, I'm so glad you brought that up. I'm glad you brought that up, Brady, because we actually had the conversation last week talking about offensive line play and how it hasn't been as good. And I thought this was a under uh, underlying signing, Dalton Reisner. They got him in – well, not in the middle of the season, but it was about three or four games into the season. I think yeah. he's really fortified that inside. Ed in- Ingram has played well. Something that hasn't been talked about enough, I think the Vikings have two of the best tackles in all of football. We talk about Brian O'Neill being a really good offensive tackle, and then Christian Derrissaw is going to be a superstar in the future. So for them to, to go up against that gauntlet that is the 49ers and not give up a sack, guys, like – and it wasn't like Kirk Cousins wasn't dropping back and passing. It was almost like seven on seven out there, the way he was playing quarterback. So he dropped back a lot in that game for him not to – he said he felt the rush, but watching the game, Brady, it doesn't, didn't seem like he felt the rush. Or he was comfortable back there. You got to give a kudos to the offensive line, especially that interior with Javon Hargrave, the way he's played throughout the season. I think Dalton Reisner has really fortified the interior of the – you know, the interior three of that offensive line. Yeah, and, remember and, he he, and, hold on, he came from Denver where he was with the right. offensive line coach uh, there now in Minnesota, Chris Cooper, who was with Mike Munchak. So a lot of familiarity with what they're asking them to do from a protection mm-hmm. and run blocking standpoint. And Mike Munchak, just one of those guys that I mean, it's Legend. like him and uh, Brian Callahan, where it's like you get like the tutelage of either of those two guys, you're just going to have an Good. offensive line that overperforms. Uh, PFF uh, at PFF Zoltan. Uh, points out there. This is after this game. There's only one offensive lineman in the entire NFL who's played more than 100 pass plays and has yet to allow a single pressure. And that offensive lineman is who's that? Is that NC State's own Garrett Bradbury? That's right, former three-star tight end. <laughs> turned, and then uh, they missed him when Austin Schloman was in. It was a little bit different. Better. They missed him. Schloman did a decent job, but Bradbury's a, the, the better player. Yeah. Clearly, there's a reason why when he's back, they've been better. Definitely. Yep, and uh, I wrote about this actually uh, too after the Bears after they beat the Bears um, last week. I was like, and I've, to be perfectly frank, I was like stretching for topics out of the one o'clock games and like couldn't really think of one as my secondary topic. And I went with maybe the Vikings aren't dead yet. And I was like, I don't know if I really believe this, but they like you beat the Niners, and it's and Aaron Rodgers talked about this on on the McAfee Show too. Is like because he was asked about Jordan Love and he sort of deflected a little bit and by saying. He's like, you know, what do you think about the Packers? And he didn't want to say, I don't think he wanted to talk about Jordan Love. But he's like, look, look at the Vikings. This is a week-to-week league. 
a week ago was like, yeah, they beat the Bears, but it's time to sell everybody. Trade Kirk Cousins. Like, should they trade Justin Jefferson? Like, we like like we we met we I floated that on this podcast. Like, not not that seriously, but it was like, but and then now it's like, whoa, whoa, the Vikings just beat the Niners. They're now three and four. They are at the Packers, at the Falcons, versus the Saints, at the Broncos, and versus the Bears before their week 13 bye. They won't be more than a three-point dog, probably more than a one-point dog in any of those games, and they're likely to be favored. Then you get Justin Jefferson back, and the defense is starting to play well. Like, I, you know, the Vikings look like they could be a potential playoff team, and it's it's just a reminder of, like, how quickly things move in the NFL. It's crazy, right? Because what was the record? Four and three now, if I'm not mistaken? Three and four. Who is Minnesota? Three, three and four. four. Three, and four. three and four. Three and four. Yep. And, and, and last year, honestly, was, like you said. Well, right, hold right. on. So last year, they were nine and oh in one score games. 11 and oh. They, Correct. 11 and oh, excuse me. Yeah. They're right now three and four because they've played all one score games. They, like, every, that's every, single game. <laughs> that's every single game has been a one score game. Fast forward to the two minute warning and then let Kirk Cousins yeah, either drive down and score or not. That's been their season. I think we talked about that. Yeah. We talked about that last week, right? Because we were saying that's not sustainable. Like when they did it last year, I was like, there's no way you could do that in back-to-back years. And we see this year they've won, you know, three out of the seven games. They've been in one-score games. And if you look at the next five games, like you said, Will, honestly, they're going to either be favorite or they're going to be within three points uh, on the spread. So they literally could win all five or they could go four and one over the next five. And then we're talking about, you know, they play Detroit late twice in the year. We're talking about those two those two games being pivotal for whoever wins the division. Yep, no doubt about it. Okay, so the Cleveland Browns are in a fascinating position because they traded for Deshaun Watson, gave up a bunch of first-round picks for him, gave him this insane fully guaranteed contract that the rest of the NFL is like, nah, that ain't going to be the way the things work moving forward. Lamar Jackson tries to get it. Nope. Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert don't even try to bother trying to get it. And because of that, Deshaun Watson – sort of has the Browns bent over a barrel in terms of deciding when or where he's going to play. Uh, I mean, that's probably poor phrasing. Sorry. Uh, but the point <laughs> is, um, Jesus. Well, he, he, he gets to decide what's he, what he wants to do when he wants to play. If he wants to play, he's got a rotator cuff injury. Right. And I think what's really interesting about this scenario is that Deshaun was medically cleared before week four against the Ravens decides he said, he tells Kevin Stefanski, I can't play Kevin Stefanski. He right. told everybody Deshaun knows his body. He knows how he feels. He, he knows whether or not he, he can play. He doesn't play. They do the, They have their buy. He's still medically cleared because he didn't play in week four and he had a buy. And then week six doesn't play against San Francisco again, medically clear. Doesn't do it. Comes back and plays in week seven against the Titans or no, excuse me against, uh, against where they, against the Colts plays attempts five passes and hurt himself in week three against the Titans is what I meant five passes, and pulls himself out of the game because he can't drive the ball. Da, 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 da. There's all this chatter about Deshaun, including Brady, on your radio show on Fox Sports Radio, mm-hmm. uh, where I believe you called him, You're like a, he's like a kid with easy, a... Easy, easy. So here's the problem with, this is what happens in social media before <laughs> you go there. The context... Your radio show tweeted it out, for the record. <laughs> for the record, they did. And, and I said this on our radio show. This is part of the problem with social media. It's part of the problem where... You have people who want to chime in because they listen to a two-minute soundbite. And there was a reference made of him being a trust fund kid, right? And, and we kind of brought that up in the conversation of talking about the scenario of when you sign a player to a deal like that. And, and mind you, we talked about this today on the radio. I'm sure it won't get picked up. I'm sure no one will clip this off for us at CBS. Uh, what Deshaun Watson did in signing that contract is probably the greatest, most progressive move we've ever seen for any NFL player ever. Yep. 
Like, like, like literally. For sure. He's done more to move the ball forward in regards to the conversation about guaranteed contracts than anyone in the history of the NFL. Okay. So that one thing can be true. And you can also then look at how things have gone since he signed that contract and say that there's also, because of how it's gone, probably a lot of owners who are looking at saying, I don't ever want to do that now yep. because of how things are being orchestrated. And I mm-hmm. think my whole point was, I said, look, when you hit the jackpot, and I just asked this funny to, to Noah, our producer, I said, hey, uh, if you won the jackpot, I got $230 million in your pocket. I was like, are you coming into work tomorrow? He goes, no. no. I go, yeah, no crap. No different than any other trust fund kid who yeah. finds out their dad just left them $230 million. You're not as yep. motivated to be out there. And so all of a sudden people take it like, oh, that's a shot at Deshaun Watson. It's not a shot at Deshaun Watson. It's a shot at the fact that we're all humans. If you got $230 million guaranteed, there would be elements where you say, yeah, if I'm not 100%, I'm not going out there. We have basketball players who get guaranteed contracts. And when they're not, they're, low they're, management. it's low management. And what do the owners say in response to that, Leger? Nothing. They can't Nothing. say anything. They can't say anything. <laughs> and so they're trying to implement fine systems, all this stuff. And so the general point of it, which, all, again, all we clipped off was just the trust fund thing. When you have a, a contract like that, and this is really the first we've ever seen like it, so we're kind of seeing how it's going to play out in real time and whether or not any other agent, any other player are able to get an owner to do this, it then becomes difficult to do because of what's going on right now. Now, look, mm-hmm. I went to Sean Watson, and I, I guess you can't say the Browns doctors because they've cleared him. His maybe own personal doctors or his agent and how he's leaking stuff to Schefter. He's kind of putting stuff out there. Because that the was- timeline – the timeline was four to six weeks. Well, the initial injury happened back in September. It's been over a month now. And so all I've ever pointed out was the fact that Kenny Pickett was dealing with an injury, came back, was able to play versus the Baltimore Ravens, and was able to get a win, fighting through stuff. Joe Burrow, who just signed a big deal, had no business starting the season. He started the season. In the same division, he started the season, played through it, didn't look great. Honestly, probably should have sat out, didn't. Played through it, and, and still now has his team in a much better spot. Lamar Jackson's played through stuff. There's been plenty of countless examples of guys playing through stuff. My only point was it's got to be hard for a lot of other guys who are on the Browns right now who are playing through stuff, who aren't fortunate enough to have that five-year fully guaranteed deal. There's only, you know, he's the only player ever, but there's probably only a handful of players in the league that have security beyond this year or maybe two years. And so the general point and what we had talked about in the discussion that doesn't get clipped off or talked about and surely doesn't make anyone talk about on on Twitter or X, whatever you're calling it, is the fact that when you sign a deal like that, it puts all the control to the player. And then the player gets to kind of determine when he wants to play and what he wants to do because it's all guaranteed. And the Browns really don't have much of a say in it. For instance, if I got a $230 million if I scratch off a lottery ticket or I win the Powerball and I get $230 million and I'm visiting my parents and producer Harry's like, hey, I need you to hop on and record this for the yeah. social media team. I'm like, I'm good. You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, you know, um, maybe you get breached to do that because I just got $230 million. By the way, by the way, this isn't hate or jealousy. It's not like I'm happy for him. I'm happy. He's pushed the ball forward for players in the NFL quarterbacks in particular. I think as a Browns fan, because I grew up a Browns fan, it's disappointing. Uh, I think we talked about, you know, how I talked to people in the front office before the season, they were kind of selling me on the top five quarterback thing. And I was like, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, he had one really great season, led the league in yards and all that, but their team didn't win. So I wasn't kind of really sure what it would look like. I'm like, well, 
We'll see how he comes back through everything he's been through. And the other thing I'll throw out there is forget about the shoulder stuff too. He's been through a lot of personal stuff that's come out there. And I know I've made light of it on, on social media because honestly, that's what we should do. It's social media. Social like, media stop, used to be fun. It used to be jokey so and fun. Seriously. Like if right. you want to take stuff serious, go watch the news, go see what's going on in the rest of the world right now. Then we can have a serious conversation. But if you honestly feel like you can't joke around and have fun, fun with some stuff on social media, you don't have a sense of humor and you're probably not built for social media. So my whole thing is like, it's not hating or anything else like that. It's disappointment. I think for a Browns team that just for starters, I picked to go to the playoffs this year. All right. Picked them to be a playoff team. I think the way they are playing defensively and running the football and the pieces they have to throw to, they can be a playoff team. They can go to a Super Bowl. They can challenge the chiefs. Like we saw them challenge the chiefs back when Baker was there. And so if, if Deshaun can be what he was in Houston, they should be able to compete for a Super Bowl or for an AFC championship. But yet again, hey, no one ever sort of hear that. No one ever hears the clips and things we talk about. Dudes, well, thanks for bringing what, up. Uh, what are your, what are your, what are your, what, which one is your favorite headline of the ones I'm going to read here? Brady Quinn, an epic Twitter feud with Sean Watson's trainer. That's the New York Post. Uh, Browns Wire, former Browns QB Brady Quinn gets into Twitter spat with Deshaun Watson's QB trainer. Outkick the coverage. Brady Quinn eviscerates Deshaun Watson's number one fanboy with <laughs> gripping, way, way, gripping, gripping criticism. And finally, Barstool Sports. Brady Quinn utterly humiliated Deshaun Watson and his private QB coach. <laughs> so let me humiliate, eviscerates, the yeah. Lord, who, annihilates. Who gets the most credit from all of this? It's his quarterback coach. Yeah, uh, that's good the point. funny thing about this is. The people who end up getting the most credit about it is the quarterback coach. Like he started this beef and now he's got literally, I think that tweet probably has millions of views. But like mm. he's the one that wins off this. It's not Deshaun. Nobody, nobody not, even knew he was me. Deshaun Watson's quarterback coach before like, this. Like, I have to do I mean, asking me questions. Well, we, we did. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah right. In regards to the, the topics, uh, <laughs> those are some, some interesting headlines. You know, um, this. Serrates, humiliate. Uh, the only thing that was missing was destroyed. But somebody said uh, humbles. I guess humbles this quarterback coach. Uh, I think viscerates a very strong word. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like Brady said, he he made light of the situation. Now, uh, again, not being sensitive, I, I I get if Deshaun feels a way about that, just because that was a you know a serious part part of his life. Um, but in regards to what you were saying, Brady, you're right. They never want to clip out the whole conversation. They're only going to clip what's going to give you views on, on Twitter, right, on Instagram, right. right? So, and if you look at this, me and Brady were actually having this conversation about Deshaun before we actually came on the show. Um, he's in a situation where, like you said, the $230 million, if he's not all the way healthy and he goes out there and plays like trash, right? we talked about the mental aspect of this, right? And yeah. we don't know where he is mentally, but you would assume going through what all he went through in the offseason – like we saw Baker Mayfield give it up for the team, right? Just before he got there. And what they do, Brady and Will, they still got rid of him, right? Because well, yeah, he played well with the hurt. They didn't with reward him for it. Where it's yeah, they, different. they didn't reward him for it. Yeah, exactly. It's different because Deshaun has the money. But it's like in his head, he's like, they're already tearing me down. If I go out there and look like he did versus the Colts, which he shouldn't have been out there. I think anybody that watched that game for five minutes realized he should have been out there. But hold on, hold on, hold on. Here's the truth. And has he played well last year when he got here or this year so far? Yeah, no. he's no. he's had one good no. game, one good game since the, the Browns, the one, yeah, that one and he got hurt he really well. Yeah, the Titans yeah, game, he, the Titans game, he played well, and he got hurt in that Correct. game. You would think 
I mean, and we there's we're not genies in the bottle, right? You would think him getting more used to that offense. We talked about it last year. He came back with the six games. When you miss a year and a half, Brady, you know this. You miss a year and a half of football. You're gonna stink for probably six or seven weeks anyway. So he, he did come back. He had training camp. Didn't look too well the first two weeks, but he did start looking good in week three. Then the shoulder injury happened. So I mean, this guy's missed what two plus years of football still. Again, but like it's his own fault of why he missed some of that. I mean, he chose not to yeah. play for the Texans. That's part of it. And then obviously the other things that he did off the field put him in that position. But the reality is too, it wasn't like he wasn't with the Browns last year. You know, he was able to practice before he even got there and was yeah. able to kind of start for the team and play for the team. So again, here's the problem is when you sign that big of a deal too, more pressure is added to that. Right. More there's higher sure. expectations when you're compensated, what you're compensated for the, the job that he's doing. And, that, and look, again, I speak from someone who grew up in Ohio, who grew up a Browns fan. Like that's the expectation of it. I think a lot of people, you know, they kind of cast away anything off the field and they're like, yeah, I'm buying in because I want to win a Super Bowl. Right. That's all mm -hmm. they cared about. Yeah. And so when you saw last year's play and then this year's play so far, you're kind of like. All right, it, it's, it's a little tougher pill to swallow because they do look at this team and they're like, we just need a guy in there to not turn the football over, hand the football off, and Correct. manage the game. And we can win a lot of football games that way. Hey, you, you know you know who'd be good in that spot? Baker Mayfield. Just saying. <laughs> be a lot cheaper. Yeah, but they, they got rid of him. Would the Browns well, be better than Baker that's, Mayfield that's in the show? Too. You, you got look, you got all the picks you traded, all the money you gave up, the the PR hit that you took, and frankly, it wasn't as bad as it sh as it should have been, considering what the the off field stuff was. Like all of that goes into playing. Like to me, Baker Baker's playing better football with Tampa Bay than Deshaun is with Cleveland. You'd be better off having Baker Mayfield. And I think I bet Kevin Stefanski agrees. But that's neither here nor there because you can't reverse that. Uh, what we can do is take a break and we come back discuss some possible trades we'd like to see ahead of Halloween spooky. Trade deadline. We'll do that next. <laughs> Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. You know, trades are like one of the most, you know, Brady, you always, you know, I know you don't like to talk about hot seats because, you know, it's, we're talking about people's jobs and livelihoods and it's fair. Trades too is like, it's like, oh, look at this fun trade. But then you're like, wow, you forget the, you know, this 
person who gets traded has to like ship their entire family you know, like it's like in the middle of the season get up and like go meet new friends and like a new life i mean like you always talk about like you don't want to change school like you don't want to move your kids change schools like you know midway through the year i mean sort of the same thing right but for professionals um however having said all that I'm here for some fake trades. Uh, Brady, how come there weren't as many trades? Or, you know, you, how come we didn't have mid-season? What do, you, do, you like the, do you like the trade? Do you guys like the trade deadline the way it is where there's more action, more moving? Uh, part of that is, of course, because, you know, you've got um, salary cap and, and the CBA and, like, this, the, the construction of rosters makes it easier to trade guys. But it was also, like, I would, I would venture a guess that we don't see as much action as people are suggesting we could see uh, in, in a, a week from now. I don't think we ever do because I, yeah. I think, you know, yeah. you look at it and you say from the team's perspective, when you have a player, I think there's two, two rules of thought, you know, one is making this deal when we're giving up a, a veteran piece that we know can produce. That's why there's an offer or multiple offers for the player. How's this going to set us up? Like, what are we getting back in return to set us up for the future? Cause if not, then like we're kind of killing what we've got now. And it surely sends a bad message to the rest of our locker room. Like, that's one of the yeah. things I think I get concerned about the Titans moving forward. Like, you trade Kevin Byard. He's one of the best safeties in the NFL, a leader on that team. There's rumors of Derrick Henry, DeAndre Hopkins. You move on from a couple more pieces. It's like, as a player in the locker room, like, shoot, man, all right. Like, wh what are we thinking right now? <clears throat> and obviously, Malik Willis and, and Will Levis might both play. Maybe one starts the other. We'll see. We'll find out what happens this weekend. But the, the point is when the team starts thinking about and making moves, thinking about the future, players then start thinking about the future and what that means moving forward. So um, I think we tend to not get always, you know, a bunch of action and deals because, you know, you're not at a period of time where everyone might be in on the action and having those conversations uh, for trading for a player, right? It might be only one or two are in, in that playoff run that want to make a move like the Eagles in this case with the Titans. That's one thing. The second thing is I think it's, you know, becoming hard for players uh, to be able to immediately, you know, adapt to a new system, adapt to their style of play. I think sometimes you see trades happen where, you know, guys know the system. Cam Akers, for example, from the Rams goes to the Vikings because he knows Kevin O'Connell's system. Kevin was there when they drafted him. So there's familiarity. It made sense. He wasn't working out with the Rams. They had Kyron Williams at the time starting for him. So it, it made sense. Um, it has to make sense for both parties. It has to be an easy transition for that player. Otherwise, it becomes really difficult to really make the impact that I think the, the team that's going for a playoff is looking for. And also get what you want back in return for the player that's trading on or moving on from that player. Yeah, if you look at it, and I know you were probably about to bring this up, Will, like we've seen more defensive guys have impacts in trades. Now, we did see Christian McCaffrey, right? But I think he's more of an exception than the rule guy because at running back, I think Kyle did a masterful job in setting him up to make sure he was going to make plays. And he was the focal point of the offense. But we saw last year, right? We saw Roquan Smith. Uh, two totally different defenses, but he picked that defense up really quickly. And I think as a defensive player, right, the, the terminology is a little bit different, but the nuances of playing defense, I believe the transition is a little bit easier for defensive guys in the middle of the season to do it than offensive guys. Like we, we see Chase Claypool get traded, still hasn't really played that much in Miami. I know there's a few other names out there offensively. You talked about DeAndre Hopkins, maybe Derrick Henry potentially getting traded. I know Hunter Renfro is another name. Uh, Daniel Hunter is a name, right? Because, Brady, you, you can speak to this. As a defensive lineman or a, a linebacker, if there's a certain package for you, right, before you learn the whole defense, there could be a set package for you that you learn that week that'll get you, you know, up the speed in regards to what you need to do for each team. Because 
each week you game plan for a different team, but there's always mainstays in the defense that a defensive coordinator will call, you know, three or four times a game. So, like a guy like Daniel Hunter, say Jacksonville, you know, we're looking great for him now. Minnesota winning, that's probably not going to happen, right? We just need you to go get the quarterback, right? Every third right. down, <laughs> we need you to do, right? And as we go on, we'll start adding more on your playbook, right? So, I thought what Roquan Smith did last year was unheard of, right? For him to come in. Not only come in right away, Brady, but get the green dot too, right? And call the defense, even though Patrick Queen was there. Uh, that shows you what type of special player he is. So I think we just haven't seen trades at the deadline because what Brady talked about, right? You gotta think if you're trading a veteran guy away, what does that say to the locker room? Have you given up on even and are we getting the compensation worth this player leaving, right? I, I thought that was a steal by Harry Rose when a fifth and fifth last all pro safety, and it was a position of need. Right. Right. So if you're the Titans, yes, he's, his deal is up after this year. So you get a little something back. But it's just like, you know, with the way there's been so much up and down in the AFC, like you're technically still not out of it this early in the season. What does that do for the morale of guys like Danico Autry, guys like Jeffrey Simmons on the team when you trade one of those leaders away? It has to make sense. Seems like the Titans could potentially be on an all-in, you know, tank <laughs> situation right now. We'll see what happens after this week, though. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point as far as, like, situational players. Um, and I think wide receivers, maybe defensive backs, too, it's a little bit easier. You know, you're only asked to do kind of you know certain things. Yes, your calls are going to be different. But, like, you know, you bring in a wide receiver like Julio Jones, who, granted, not a trade, but recently signed by the Eagles. Uh, with his size, his ability, he's played forever. He's a, probably a future Hall of Famer. Um, you look at him and you just say, like, yeah, dude, go run a go route. Go run you know, slant, all that kind of stuff, like – Correct. especially if you're a team that huddles like you can just or if, or if you're on that sideline like what was the play call yeah they'll just tell you right there you know so it's it, it, you don't have to make it as complicated sometimes what we got on here has to be <laughs> yeah exactly exactly like just just go ahead and have the sideline yell at him or signal him something he'll figure it out i i think i think the derrick henry thing is fascinating though because uh so i did bill barnwell's podcast earlier today and we talked about we did hypothetical trades like people who could get traded and like, man, you start to look around <laughs> like the NFL and um, we mentioned that Baltimore and Cleveland could both make sense. You know, lost your starter. You lose J.K. Dobbins. You lose Dick Chubb. Go get Derrick Henry. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I pointed out to Bill. Okay, and that was Bill pointed out. I, I, I countered by saying like, you can make the case like Kansas City, Miami. Um, I mean, I guess Jacksonville too, Buffalo, uh, Philadelphia, Detroit. I mean, San Francisco would be a stretch maybe. But like, like all these teams – I mean, Derrick Henry, like, go get Derrick Henry, even if you're just blocking the Browns or the Ravens from getting him. Like, what if you put – I mean, Isaiah Pacheco's awesome. But, like, put Derrick Henry on the Chiefs or put Derrick Henry on the Bills. And, you know, you're going to see a lot less too high, too high safety looks if you've got Derrick Henry running downhill on your defense or on, on that defense because they're going to have to step in and try to stop Derrick Henry. And that would open things up for the deep ball, particularly for Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Well, you got to look at it like this too, right? And Brady, you, you know this too. A lot of teams, they don't want to trade somebody within the same conference, especially right. if you're going to see the division later on. Conference, the, or division for sure. Like division trades usually rarely happen. Honestly, if you're a player and somebody trades you within the division, that's disrespectful, right? Because you know you got to see them at least twice a year. So that's why the TJ Hawkinson thing like surprised me when Detroit traded him to Minnesota because I'm like, y'all know y'all got to see this guy twice a year, right? Is that how y'all really feel about me? So every time I play them, that tip is going to be on my shoulder. You had no respect. You didn't even have enough respect to trade me in the same conference to another team. You traded me within the division, right? You know how disrespectful that is? So um, 
No, the Carolina trading to San Fran, Carolina kind of knew they were out of it. So I think that one made sense. You saw Chicago, like, we're not trading him in the NFC. We're going to put Roquan Smith in the AFC. We'll, we don't want to see him at all. So I think that when you talk about Derrick Henry potentially going to, like, the Bills or another team in the AFC, you got to think about the GM and what that means in the future, potentially seeing Derrick Henry, you know, on the other sideline. When you yeah. And remember, too, these are a lot of times players talk about Roquan Smith because we're kind of like heavy on him. Use this as an example. But I can guarantee you the Baltimore Ravens had a really high draft grade on him. Okay. Like, I, I can guarantee you like they went back. They looked. They said, hey, this is a guy we'd love to have as a part of our organization. They get that second crack when they can trade for him. And then they can work out that extension for a long term deal. Like we kind of look at it sometimes trades as being like a one year rental guys on the last year of his deal. The team gets something back in return. A lot of times, the the player standpoint, they're kind of like, "Hey, man, like I, I'm in traded here. Like, make it worth my while. Let me stay here for a couple of years." So, I need to do. yeah, yeah a, a lot of times it, it ends up being like the background and history that team has, you know, really dating back to the time at the combine, interviews, you know, maybe pro days, and speaking with the player, and and really saying like, "Man, we're not gonna have a chance to get this guy. We really wanted to in the draft, but the first crack we get, like, we feel like he'd be a good player for our team." Brian Burns probably qualifies as a guy like that too, because you're talking about a 25 year old pass rusher. Uh, borderline superstar edge guy dudes like i mean there's got to be if you're the panthers and bill threw this out too so i don't want to like you know double up on the on the podcast but i think it's funny it's like the panthers go back like hey uh chicago yeah it's really need a pass rusher uh you want to get rid of that first round no, pick the, that we've the team they were in talks with last makes the, the most sense to me the la rams and they were yeah. probably willing willing to give up two first if they're still willing to do that if i'm the panthers i'm jumping on that now Supposedly, I've heard some rumors that they offered him around 25 a year. But if you're Brian Burns and you look at the rest of the defense, there's a few players, Frankie Louvu, talk about Derek Brown, but you know you're the guy on this yep. defense. So you've constantly been able to get around 10 sacks a year. No, 25 is not enough. I want 27, 28, $29 million because that's literally what they're paying pass pressers now. So I, I get him deciding not to, you know, take a lesser deal because one, you, you understand you got a rookie quarterback. You guys have some money. You can spend it, right? You're not playing the quarterback position. So if I'm going to stay on this team and, you know, have to withstand potentially losing for a year or two until we get this thing turned around, I need to be well compensated for it. So, um, honestly, if I'm the Rams, uh, I think a lot of people are surprised by how they've played this year. Now, they de definitely just had a big loss versus the, the, the Steelers. Steelers. I thought, thought they were going to pull that one out, but they didn't. Um, they're competing in the, the NFC, right? And with that, the way Stafford's playing with Cooper Cub and Puka Nakua, I literally would reach back out to the Rams and be like, hey, you know, we need one more pass rusher. You know, we guys, we tried to fleece you, not fleece you guys, but we tried to give you good, fair value for Brian Burns. You guys obviously haven't been able to work out a deal. Instead of having to deal with that in the future, why not let us have Brian Burns, <laughs> right? So I, I think, honestly, the Rams should reach back out and see if they can get a deal done. How about uh, Jerry Judy, Brady? Mm. Um, it's funny. Wilson? Well, I mean, the Ru Russell. Well, I know. I know. Okay, we got okay. that Jerry, out there, go Jerry Judy. Go Jerry Judy. Yeah, I mean, look. I think there's a lot of teams who, you know, do we count the Broncos in the playoff hunt? I, I no, probably no, say they're no. not going to be this year. Um, and so it's it's probably tough for Jerry Judy, even that's the team that drafted him. You'd hope things would work out, but you know, we got a lot of new, you know, new ownership, new head coach, all those things. But, you know, I look at a team, and again, dudes just touched on this. You're not going to trade him within the conference if you don't, if you don't have to. You're not going to trade him within the division if you don't have to. I would think, like, the Chiefs would be a team that could use that oh. sort of ability, right? Because even though I think last week you saw, like, the receiving group start to come along, 
he's still that guy that kind of has that number one potential to it. And and you pair him with Travis Kelsey, and that is just a difficult combination to stop. It almost makes it feel like the Chiefs would be unstoppable offensively. So I don't know what it would take um, to make that deal happen. But if you're the Broncos and you're like contemplating for moving on from him and you're just going to move on from him anyway in the future, why do you care that much where he goes, right? Yeah, if, if he's ultimately not good enough for you in the future, even if he does go to divisional opponents, like, well, yeah, it's fine. But, you know, he wasn't good enough for us. We'd rather get some compensation back and go somewhere else. But I would think some teams that need the additional help at wide receiver could make some sense. I mean, I'd love to see him paired across from Stephon Diggs, you know, with, with yeah. Josh Allen. Like, that would be a nasty – Nasty duo. Um, Get Judy too, and like, Derrick Henry. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Derrick Henry's the other one. Like, I, I, that would be a fun place to go see him play. You know, just how that more balanced out that offense would be running the football, even though they got you, James Cook. So, can you imagine yeah, trying I, to tackle Derrick Henry in Buffalo in in like January? Dude, it would just like, be pain. Just pain. I'd rather, I would rather, I would die. I would spontaneously <laughs> combust. Uh, dudes, what about uh, Buda Baker in Arizona? Yeah, we'll talk about Buda Baker, but I just want to hit on the, the Derrick Henry to, to Buffalo. Yeah. Let's. Let's not forget, um, my guy Deion Dawkins just restructured his contract to free up some money. So I think something could potentially be in the work. I think it's going to be on the defensive side of the ball. Honestly, Brady Quinn, you talked about, you know, the way James Cook has played this year. I think Latavius Murray has given them a little juice at running back. I don't think they're going to add to the running back position. But linebacker, when they lost Matt Milano, they lost a lot, right? Yep. And I think Dorian Williams just went down last week. I think they're going to be in the market for a linebacker. I know we talked about Frankie Louvu potentially being a guy. I think he makes a lot of sense. Uh, depending if the Panthers, he's free after this year, depending on if the, the Panthers want to get, you know, trade him away. Uh, I think he'd be a great fit. A lot, lot of connections, a uh, lot of connections about, with, well, a lot of connections with Carolina and Buffalo too. Correct. For sure. Um, you know, Sean McDermott coming from Carolina, yep. but uh, the Buda Baker one, it's interesting, right? Because he potentially asked to be traded in the off season. They gave him an extension. So I don't know if he's honestly going anywhere. Cause I don't think you give a guy an extension um, and then just trade him that same year. I mean, has it happened before? I'd have to go back and look at history, maybe. But I think Buda Baker is going to be part of the, the turnaround there, right? You don't just trade away talented players, uh, especially if you don't know what you're going to get in return for them. They just gave him an extension. That new team would have to be willing to take on that new money as well, um, which, again, he's a great player. So I know there's probably some teams that would be willing to do it. I think oh, the team yeah. that would have probably been willing to do it was the Eagles, but they traded for Kevin Bayard, right? So – um, I think I don't think Buda Baker's going anywhere, honestly. Yeah, and if you're Jonathan Gannon, like he's one of the players that as a defensive mind, like you're like, no, I, yeah, I don't need this. I need him on my team. Need him yeah, around. That's the guy I want on my team. Like we build yeah. around that guy. So and I think I think that like plays a small part too, right? When you have a new head coach and he's looking at the roster saying, like, yeah, that guy's not going anywhere. And, and, a, and a new GM is like, look, we I don't want to suck forever. Like we keep Buda around. Okay, yeah. let's let's uh let's take a players break. Players on this roster. <laughs> Did the did London break the Buffalo Bills who play on Thursday night? We will tell you coming up next. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. 
Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The Buffalo Bills hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Thursday night football. It's amazing how, I mean, like, I love it. Like, look, it's great for business. The NFL is constantly here, but it's like, (laughs) oh, man, week seven. It's like, all right, week seven. Let's everybody take a breath. And it's just week eight already. Uh, that's, That's life. That's the biz. Popular well, sport. last week was rough trying to predict games, right? And like, give did your you see Ryan Wilson? Did you see Ryan Wilson? Impressive. Vegas, Vegas hey. loved last week. Impressive. 13 <laughs> against the spread Impressive. last week. Very nice, hey, Ryan. Not, not many people can do that, okay? Like, easily, wow. easily hard to do or difficult to do. 13 and 0 is 0 and Impossible. 13. You could try to. It's like really hard you, to do. So, if you, if you, you Ryan. Yeah, if you told somebody I'll give you a thousand dollars if you go winless against the spread, it would take them years to do it. Like you had, like you're basically picking. You're like, like you can't go. It's not easy. You can't go. You can't be like, oh, I know all the winners are. Like you, yeah. you accidentally win a few games against the spread every week. Like you, yeah, just like just bad. Facts. Yeah. Well, well, okay. Well, let's let's just start off with this matchup, right? The line right now is what eight and a half for both. Eight and a half. Bills minus eight and a half. <clears throat> I mean, Leger. Well, like, this has gone up a point. Uh, I think it's been about this for a little while. Um, yeah, I think it's, but, yeah, I think it's, yeah. I was seven and a half. Would you agree, though, that this point in time, the season, into week eight, short week, home team has a distinct advantage? Is that fair to say? Uh, you broke up. Say that last part again. Home, home, home team has a distinct advantage. Home team, distinct advantage this far. Yeah, for sure. Messing around yeah, this time. So, of year. Yeah. so I see this line. I'm like, I don't know, man, like eight and a half. Buffalo so many points. Just, Buffalo just lost to New England, and I was kind of surprised by that. Right, mm. New England had both edge rushers out, and in uh, Nuche and obviously Judon's been out, and just kind of you're looking at it going, all right, like that, didn't see that happening. No. And then for Tampa, Tampa struggled the past couple of weeks, which I, I didn't know what kind of season they would have to start the season. But then when once it got going, like I was like, all right, Baker's like got something to prove. He's lighting the world on fire. They've struggled the past couple of weeks, and it, it really kind of leaves yeah. you questioning like how these two teams are going to match up. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm the fish, maybe I'm the one on the hook here, but I, I would take the points in Tampa. Now that doesn't mean that bills don't win by seven or eight, but yeah. eight and a half. Like, I think it's a closer game. I think a lower scoring game too. 
I, I know sure. Vita Vea's got a groin injury he's dealing with. He might not be 100% or might not go. Yeah. Chris Godwin's got the head injury. Like, there's, there's some things where I think you look at that and go, all right, but Ed Oliver might not go. Dawson Knox is looking doubtful for this game. So it leads me to say, like, lower scoring game, maybe the better play, but I'll, I'll take the eight and a half points uh, and then a, a little tighter game between these two teams. I mean, the Bills, the Bills were rolling when they went to London. They just smoked the Dolphins and right. beaten the Raiders and the Commanders. Yeah. Go to London on that short trip, <laughs> lose to the Jaguars, and everybody's like, oh, well, maybe it was just a travel. They come back, almost lose to the Giants at home in prime time on Sunday night. And then it's like, okay, well, now they're going to they're gonna straighten things up against New England. They beat New England six out of the last seven, five and two against the spread, regardless of where it is, uh, including the playoffs. And then they go and just lose outright to Mac Jones and a, and a really bad Patriots team. And then they come home on a Thursday night and the spread's eight and a half. Like, to me, this is like, like Vegas knows something here and it's that Buffalo is going to curb strike the, the Bucks. That's, that's where I'm at. So it's funny because we had been talking about how the under had been hitting so well, especially on Thursday night. And Brady, you talked about it. You're like, right around this time, the scoring will come. And sure enough, right, last Thursday, Saints, Jacksonville, Jaguars, I'm I'm all I'm all in on the under because if you look at what the, <laughs> the Saints have done, right, and in the history of what they've done, the under hit like every game for like 13 straight games. And then, of course, they go way over the line last week versus uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. So you look at this game, right? Same scenario, right? The Bills offense has struggled the last two weeks, coming out a little sleepy. The, the Bucks have put up like 13, 14 points a game. So you're like, that under probably is going to hit. And then watch. We'll go out there and both teams put up 30 points, right? So that, that's just what's going to happen. Um, but if you look at this, if you look at the Buffalo Bills, right, things that they've struggled with, right, their linebackers have struggled in coverage this year. And that's that was kind of – what Matt Milano did better than any other linebacker in football, right? If you, if you just look at last week, Brady, down the seams, anytime they were able to put a slot guy or a tight end in coverage versus one of their guys, Patriots and Mac Jones were eating them alive. Like, yeah. it was bad. And we talked about this past rush. We thought Von Miller would come along, and I know we talked about this earlier in the week, Brady, but it just doesn't seem like he's healthy enough, right? I believe he plays like four or five snaps last week, came out of that game. So the pass rush hasn't been there. Ed Oliver was out last week. We'll see. He looks like he may be able to go Thursday. But Daquan Jones being out, his wife being out, Matt Milano, like that's really hurt this defense. And Josh Allen has notoriously been really good against the Blitz. Except for the last two weeks, if you look at the film, he just refuses to throw to the open guy, knowing that the Blitz is coming and the first read is there and it's open. Uh, he's really struggled with that the last two weeks. Well, we know Todd Bowles, Brady Quinn. What is he going to do? Ring pressure. That's what he does. And Tampa Bay has struggled when they brought pressure and gone zone. When they brought pressure and gone man, they've actually played pretty well. So those are some of the things I'm looking for in this game. Will Josh Allen have an answer and do what he you know, you know notoriously does? Plays well against the Blitz. He hasn't done it the last two weeks. And then on defense, they got to figure something out because not only has the linebacker struggled, Taron Johnson, who was a really good player in the spot position, he struggled the last couple of weeks as well. It, literally, the, the Bills could have lost three games in a row um, because of the, their defense at the end of games. What uh, What about the Bills' offense, Brady? I mean, not exactly lighting the world on fire either. No, and I think early on we thought, that, you know, they're going to have more of a consistent running game. And I think that there was moments and, and times you watch, you said, okay, like this is – the evolution of, of maybe what Ken Dorsey wants to do with the offense. They drafted Dalton Kincaid. You've got Dawson Knox. You've got Gabe Davis. You've got Stephon Diggs. You've got James Cook and, and a healthy stable of backs that, you know, could could be that. And I just don't think it's evolved into that. 
Um, I'm not sure if it's just mm. due to maybe some of the injuries or maybe some of the inconsistencies based on the matchups and what they'd like to do. Um, but that still feels like it's ironing itself out. And, and, and the reality is, again, like not a lot of teams play their guys in preseason anymore. You know, we got three preseason games. It's not really something we do. So I think it's taking longer into the season for offenses to find their identity and what they're good at. I was talking about this earlier uh, today in talking about the Giants. You know, even though it's Terod Taylor at quarterback now, at wide receiver, they've kind of solidified and landed on, like, Darius Slayton, Wandale Robinson, Jalen Hyatt. You know, like, we've got kind of different mm-hmm. roles for those guys. And obviously, Waller is the most dynamic or the best maybe out of that group in the sense of just his size, athleticism, the tight end spot, and a mismatch. But they've kind of solidified themselves in that. And I think it's helped. Uh, like, the past couple of weeks, their offenses look better, even though they didn't score much last week. They only scored 14 <laughs> points. But still, yeah. like, considering their offensive line issues it's, and, and, again, what they're going up against with a you know, backup quarterback, it, it's it's been better. I think they're finding themselves in a better place. So there's a lot of examples of that. I think Kansas City, too, you know, last week and you watched them kind of go up and down the field and how well Mahomes played. Like the wide receivers are starting to kind of get in their rhythm of how it works and, and, and where they fit in. And I think you're going to start to see that, too, from the Bills as we move forward. I just I, – I, this is such a hard game to handicap with me because, like, my concerns about – the Bucks defense going up against the Bills offenses. I think the Bills will have a hard time running the football, but I think they'll be able to throw and take advantage yeah. of some big plays downfield. So then it comes down to Todd Bulls and like how they go about playing maybe some soft coverage, limiting and forcing Josh Allen not to want to do that. Like I don't think he wants to be patient. Does that force him into some you know poor decisions, things of that nature? Uh, we'll find out. You know, we'll find out in this matchup. But I just think it's it's still a work in progress for what this year's team and their identity offensively is still going to be. Uh, all right, so who you guys got? I, I said it earlier. I, I'm, well, I'm taking the I points. Mean, I think Brady made a really good point, right? I think Josh Allen, at times, he, he plays Superman football, and, and if you look at his history, right, he has done well against the Blitz except for the last two weeks. It's when his three-man rush, like you talked about, Brady, he gets a little impatient and try to force the ball down the field. And the thing about Josh Allen, he feels like with his arm talent, he can make any play, even if it's third and 17. We saw it last week, right? They score a touchdown. I think they get a hold of penalty, call it back. He scrambles to the right and literally tries to force the ball down the field like 20 yards on third and goal on from like the 17-yard line. No situation, Brady. You know, the, the red zone's condensed. There's not a lot of plays for third and 17 in the red zone. So sometimes you just got to take the points, right? But he's a guy that feels like with his arm talent and his athletic ability, he can make every single play. So I would love to see what Todd Bowles is going to do just because he has struggled against the Blitz the last two weeks. Does he do more three, four-man rushes? Shaq Barrett is starting to come on. Had a sack fumble last week versus the Atlanta Falcons. Does he let that defensive line really try to get off? You know, and uh, Kalijah Cancy, uh, Clancy, uh, Kalijah Cancy played really well last week too. So, could he do more cover too and make Josh Allen be be patient? Right. Uh, I, I'm with Brady, man. I, I know that the line is crazy at eight and a half, and maybe Vegas does know something. I just think this is going to be a low scoring game, right? I, I believe the Bills have really struggled, and you talked about Dawson Knox. He's out, right? He's going to be out for a while. So that's another injury that they sustained, right? How do they overcome that again, too? Dalton Kincaid has been really good in the offense. He's he's learned how to really meet up with Josh Allen in certain zone coverages. They've had a really nice rapport. Uh, but Dawson Knox is always the guy he trusts, right? That's the guy he really trusts. So I, that's a big loss for them. I think this is going to be a close game. Honestly, like the Bucs, give me the, the plus eight and a half. All right, you guys are taking the Bucs. I'm taking the Bills. That'll be yeah, it. I knew he would. I yeah. knew he would. <laughs> And we're in a Bills. Yeah. Hat. It's actually a Durham Bulls. Yeah, Bills or Bulls? It's a Bulls, it's but it kind of looks like Bills, right? Like it was a, <laughs> a lot of things. 
Yeah, I'm still waiting on my hat, by the way. You lost a bet. You've never sent me the Brinson Sucks hat. We will work on getting the Brinson Sucks hat. But <laughs> for now, that's the end of the show. Make sure to join us tomorrow for more NFL coverage, our picks show for week eight. Remember to like, comment, subscribe on the YouTube page. If you're listening to the audio-only version, download, follow, leave a five-star review. Tell your friends. For News for Brady, I'm Brinson. We'll see you guys later. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. I tell all the, oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, Brady PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus.